Good day. Happy to be with you once again, Francis Gargani Redemptress, reflecting on the scripture of Friday, May 5th, from our Redemptress Provincial Residence of Washington, D.C. Let us attend to God's living word from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. And Thomas said to him, Oh, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're approaching the end of this fourth week of the Easter season. And this section of John's Gospel offers us that powerful closing line that is so often quoted and used on one or other bishop's coat of arms or carved into the lintels of church entryways or over their chapels of Eucharistic reservation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, these powerful words affirm the centrality of Christ for us who are his disciples. You wonder how Christ somehow seemed to have gotten lost in some areas of religiosity in our Catholic tradition. Less present now, but I can easily recall meeting very devout Catholic people who entertained great devotion to St. Anthony of Padua or St. Francis of Assisi, not to mention the mother of Jesus, but actually didn't have an experiential or particularly intimate relationship with Christ. Christ, pre-Vatican II, was too often pictured as divine judge and without question, his humanity was not emphasized. Though we might have declared it as heresy, but in practice, the Christ was God walking among us with complete divine awareness and only masquerading as a human being. So much was his divinity emphasized. With the Second Vatican Council's very intense emphasis on Christ and the centrality of the mystery of his incarnation, his actually becoming one with us, a strong, deeply personal relationship with Christ resulted. The Catholic charismatic movement and the revival of reading and loving scripture through a variety of programs of scriptural study, contributed to this renewal. Books galore were written that helped us foster such a relationship. And so it is today, much time is spent in all programs of spirituality to invite participants to a deeply personal, love-filled relationship with the Christ. Whatever may be one's bent, whether the practice of centering and contemplative prayer or the mantra praying of the Divine Mercy Chaplets, one can certainly point to the renewed emphasis on a personal relationship with the Christ 
as one of the great fruits of the Second Vatican Council, allowing the scriptural stories to open us up to a much deeper and richer understanding of Christ as a Palestinian Aramaic man steeped in his Jewish tradition, has uncovered what a revolutionary Jesus was truly in the way he related to those outcast by society or treated as inferior, and importantly, his liberating relationship with women. Jesus kept setting people free, free from illness and physical impairments, free from discrimination and laws of impurity, but also importantly, free interiorly from shame and unnecessary guilt and self-rejection, free to receive the incredible, overwhelming love of God that truly set them and sets us free. So before closing, I just want to emphasize that glorious truth once again, because it can never be emphasized enough that Christ proclaiming himself as our way, our truth, and our life is proclaiming he is our justice, he is our justification, he is our freedom. I keep experiencing too many times and too many places we travel to giving parish missions, so many good, devout people over and over coming to confession with a great deal of heaviness and self-recrimination over petty sins that they seem sure will keep them from God's eternal embrace. I keep asking myself, how did a gospel of liberation, why we call it good news, end up becoming a gospel of incarceration, imprisoning people, convincing them that somehow they have to pay for their sins, that God loves us even in our sinfulness and loves us unconditionally and loves us no matter what, that Christ is our justice, justifying us in his dying and rising, what we proclaim as the truth of Christ just seems not to have been proclaimed well. Rather, too many people approach that sacrament as if it's not a fountain of life-giving mercy that God has already exploded upon us in the paschal mystery of Christ's death to sin and resurrection to life, the very meaning of this Easter season. Reconciliation is supposed to be, like all the sacraments, a paschal celebration of joy and liberation, an encounter with the Redeemer risen Christ loving us beyond our wildest dreams, a sacrament of liberation. If the sacraments are encounters with the risen Christ Jesus, then every one of them is a sacrament of liberation. That is why we rejoice crying out, Christ is our way, our truth, and our life. Now I pray that our renewed relationship with Christ as our personal Redeemer impacts every aspect of our spiritual lives, both our religious practice and our relationship with family and society, in work and in leisure, in promoting justice, and in reaching out in works of mercy and compassion. In the breaking of the bread, we have known him, we have been fed. Jesus the stranger, Jesus
bless the Lord, be our compassion, be our hope, bread for the journey, strength of our years, manner of ages, of struggle and tears, cup of salvation, fruit of the land, bless and receive now the work of our hands, bread of the promise, people of hope, wine of compassion, life for the world.